All right, well, let's get started with a word of prayer and uh, see what the Lord has for us this evening. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house to worship and to praise you. Lord, just to open up the bread of life and to uh, feast from that. Lord, also to lift up our petitions tonight. Lord, I pray that you would just hear our prayers and answer them according to your will. Lord, thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, good evening. Let's all turn to page uh, 537, 537. Good old song of the church. We've sung it a lot, but it deserves to be sung again. 537.
page 442. Page 442. Jesus saves, and, and for each one of us, I hope our testimony is, I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed.
right, good evening. Good to see everyone out this evening, raining Wednesday evening, and it's good to be in the house of the Lord. I hope and pray that you've already had a blessed week this week, and uh, looking forward to the rest of the week. We're going to continue our study in the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians will be in chapter number 3, and we'll look at verse 10. The book of Philippians, chapter number 3, verse 10 is where we'll start out. The Bible says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if, I, uh, after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus." Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now skip down to verse 20. It says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we, have, we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, once again, thank you for uh, this opportunity to be in your house, to worship and praise you. Lord, we ask that you would uh, illuminate our minds, help us to understand what we've read tonight, and Lord, help us to uh, gleam something from your word. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts as only you can. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. The Christian life is one of a continual growth and, uh, the, uh, and progress toward the goal of becoming more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're he left here for. If, if the Lord's the, the purpose for us uh, was just to be saved, God would have took us up right then. Uh, but I believe that God ha- has uh, put in His Word that we not only are saved, but that we are to grow and become more like Him. Now, our lives will still have baggage and uh, the baggage of this world, but as we continue to grow, some of that baggage falls by the wayside and we become more and more like Christ. Salvation is called the new birth, and, uh, and it is a starting point for our walk with Christ. Sanctification is that process of growth as our lives are changed into the image of God. As we continue to grow, uh, we become more like Christ. While sin in the flesh once uh, dominated our, and directed our lives prior to salvation, now the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God uh, are in place to direct us to become more like Him. This process of growth doesn't take place automatically, but it's something that we must continue to exercise and to grow uh, uh, in our spiritual life in order to become more like Him. There's a spiritual warfare that goes on before one gets saved. And because the devil doesn't want to give up uh, anyone uh, if he could help it, but uh, there's an intense fight that goes on in order to keep one from repentance and of faith. And often when salvation finally occurs, there's a great sense of, of relief, if you will. And because now the sin debt is paid for, it's, it's been uh, paid for, and they have a newfound freedom. Uh, while there is that great sense of relief when we realize that our sins are forgiven and we are now free from the bondage of sin, you can mark it down that Satan hasn't stopped trying to destroy your lives. Satan wants to destroy us. I mean, if he can't stop us from getting saved, he wants us to stop. He wants to stop us from becoming a good testimony and a good witness for the cause of Christ. That battle still rages on to destroy your life. In fact, there's a new battle that has begun as one becomes a Christian. But now we have Christ, uh, our Savior, on this journey with us. And I want us to look at three things about this journey tonight 
this journey as we progress of sanctification, as we grow in Christ, some things that we, uh, we learn and, and some things that we do. Number one, I want you to notice from the scriptures, it's a time of learning about Christ. You know, we don't know everything that we should know or will know about Christ the day we get saved. It's a time of learning about Christ. When a person trusts Christ as Savior, they are as saved as they're ever going to be. You don't become more saved uh, the longer that you're saved uh, or less saved. That you, uh, You're as saved the day that you got saved. You're as assured of heaven as if you were already there. Isn't that good? Once you got on one, that day that you got saved, listen to me, you don't have to ever worry about it again. But now that doesn't mean that we're, that gives us a license to sin free and, and willfully just go out and do all the things that uh, the flesh would have us to do. But when it's a time of learning about Christ. You see, positionally, we are children of God and there's nothing that can separate us from that standing with God. The Bible says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor, th- nor height, nor debt, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Once we are saved, we're saved positionally. When a, a baby is born... His DNA proves that he belongs to uh, his parents. We often look at a newborn and say, um, say, oh, he looks just like his mom, or she looks just like her mom, or she looks just like her dad. Oh, she's got her dad's nose. Poor thing. Uh, we all, you know, and everybody and all the relatives, they all say the same thing, don't they? Oh, I think they took the, the brown side of the family. No, I think they took the Ali side of the family. I, I, Faith looks just like mom. no. You know, I mean, there's everybody says that faith looks and acts just like me. I don't know. I don't see it. But uh, that's what they say. And they say that Liz looks just like Christy and acts just like Christy. Uh, maybe, I guess. But uh, we take on, you know, as a child grows, it becomes more obvious um, that he or she is taking on the personalities of mom or the characteristics of mom or dad. And this ought to be true about the child of God. You know, when we are first saved, our lives may not resemble God as much as it should. But as we become, as we grow, and as we become uh, saved longer, we should become more and more, appearance-wise, looking more like Christ. People ought to say, you know what, he resembles a Christian. He looks just like a Christian and acts like a Christian and talks like a Christian. Why? Because we are more, we are to resemble him more and more each day. We need to start immediately learning about Christ. We need to learn about his power. Look there in verse 10, it says, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Every, now know this, every religious leader that ever walked on this earth... They're dead, except for Christ. You know, his, he's the only one that conquered death, hell, and the grave. You know, Romans 1, 4 says, And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Because of his resurrection, because of the resurrection of Christ, we have hope of eternal life. Now think about it. If Christ had power to raise himself... Uh, from the grave and that one day he's going to raise us all up from the grave imagine the power that he wants to give us for our daily life here on earth you know if God has the power to save you save you from sin and and give you eternal life don't you think he likewise can help us through our issues that we have our problems our trials our troubles you know it's foolish for us to think or to believe that he has power to deliver us from sin, but doesn't have the power to deliver us from our everyday habits. I know people that struggle with things. They struggle with sin habits, and they struggle with these things. And, and it's like they have this idea that God doesn't have the power to deliver them from that. But can I tell you, God has already given us the power to deliver us from those sinful habits. 
The Bible said, God hath spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. God imports his power to us upon salvation. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens us, which strengthens me. It's not us, but it's the power of God that's working through us. You see, the Bible says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. The power, you, you realize this, folks, we are powerful, not because of who we are or what we are, but because of who he is. We are powerful. You see, there's nothing impossible in the realm of God. We may think that we could never change in, in some area of our lives or think that uh, certain problems could never be solved or certain needs couldn't be supplied or taken care of. But can I tell you, the Bible says with men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. See, we need to learn about His power, but also learn about His presence. Philippians, look there in verse 10, it says... And the fellowship of his suffering, his presence. None of us enjoy trials in life. I mean, no one, I don't think anyone in here goes around saying, Hey, send me another trial, Lord. Send me another uh, fiery trial. I need another one to look forward to. I don't believe God or anybody in here does that. It says, God, send me something else. I'm just having such a good day. Send me a problem today. It just don't happen. But the thing of it is, is trials are going to come our way. Did you know that through these times of these heartaches, we learn more about the Lord? Anybody that's ever went through a trial or trouble, and I would say every person in here has, after you get through on the other side, you learn a lot, you realize a lot of things about God, that God was always there. He never forsook, he never forsaken us. He's always there. The Bible says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning fiery trials, which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad with also with exceeding joy. We don't understand why things happen, but can I tell you, during these hard times, these heartaches, we learn more about the Lord. Don't allow Satan to make you bitter because of your trials. God wants to make you better because he desires that you would come to know him in a greater way. Listen to these comforting words. Isaiah 43, 1 says this, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When, when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Folks, I believe we can claim those promises as well. We need to learn about His power, but learn about His presence, then learn about His preeminence. God is one. He's first. Look there in verse 10 again. It says, being made conformable unto his image. Once, you, once your position is established in Christ uh, through salvation, the key to his blessings for your life is where you position the Lord. Does he have preeminence? For many Christians, God is prominent, but he's not preeminent. There is a big difference. God's a big part of our lives, but is He the main part of our lives? You see, uh, since we have been created by Him and redeemed by Him, it would make perfect sense for us to, uh, to let Him have complete control of our lives. Colossians 1.16 says this, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Folks, he's in control of it all anyways. In the athletic world, every team strives to be number one, right? No one goes around chanting, we're number two, we're number two. 
You know, they don't go around doing that. But, you know, I remember in Little League, we weren't number one at, at, at the time. We won our first game, and, and we were going, we were riding in the back of a truck. That was when it was legal back then, you know. Uh, but we would ride in the back of the truck, and we would chant, we're number one, we're number one. All these little kids chanting. Now, you think about this. There was eight teams that were all chanting the same thing going in there. No one wants to be number two. No one wants to be number three. There's no, there's no Super Bowl ring for the runner-up. No, we want to be number one. You see, on a much greater scale, we must allow Jesus to have the number one position in our life. He deserves all the glory for his creation. The Bible says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. While God desires and deserves to be first in our lives, in everything, our lives should be for his glory. The blessings and benefits of placing him first in our lives. The Bible says, uh, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. All these things shall be added unto you. The Bible says, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusteth in thee. Let me ask you, is the Lord number one in your life? If not, we need to be careful. Because it wouldn't take God a second to remove that, the competition. Think about this. The Bible says in Matthew fifteen thirteen, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. We need to... On this journey that we're going on, it's a time of learning, but also it's a time of leaning on Christ. The more we learn about Christ, the more inclined we are to lean on Him. To realize His presence in our life, His preeminence in our life. We will lean on Him more. We are all well aware that anything that is accomplished for His glory is, is a result of Him working in us and through us. You know, it's not in the abilities that we have, but it's all in what He has done and what He's doing in our lives. I'm thankful that I have a rock on which I can lean on in this life. Some, would, some critics and skeptics would call it a crutch, but can I tell you, it's the rock that I lean on. The Bible says, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The more we lean, we learn to trust on the Lord, the less we rely on our own experiences, our own wisdom, our own knowledge, which can I tell you, those things are fleeting. Those things are temporary. Those things are not uh, a firm foundation. But... As we go through this leaning on Christ, we need to forget the past. Forget the past. The Bible, look there in verse 12 and 13. It says, Not as though I have already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. There's nothing you can do about your past except change your reaction to it. Many people are ineffective in, this, in the present because of their past. You know, the, and ultimately that will destroy us. The Bible says in Luke 9:62, And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looketh back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Solomon instructed his son, he said, keep your eyes fixed forward. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.25, let thine eyes look right on and thine uh, eyelids look straight forward before thee. Ponder the paths of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. The devil is a master. I'm telling you, he's a master of bringing up our past, isn't he? Probably because he has nothing in the future to look forward to. Other than the lake of fire, of course. For some, he gets them to focus on their past accomplishments. 
I mean, they relish, they glory in those past things that they've done, and they think that's enough. I, I've seen churches that once were vibrant and actively reaching people and, and resting on their success and, and haven't seen a move of God in years. The Bible says pride go before destruction, a haughty spirit before fall. Here in our text, Paul is resisting the temptation here to rest on his past record. I mean, if there was anything that he could glory in his past. He's saying, I'm not, I'm not saying I've apprehended I, I, those things that, I've, that I've, I've done. He says, I'm pressing towards the mark of the high calling of God. While some glory in their past, others, the devil overwhelms others and buries people in their past failures. Not just their past accomplishments, but their past failures. He reminds us when of they, that uh, before we were saved, what we were. You know, and it happens, and, and the devil will put that in our minds, and, and we start thinking about, you know what, I... I can't, God can't use me. Look what I've done. Look, think about the things that I've done. Did you know that some of the Bible was written by murderers? Think about that. Moses was a murderer, right? David was a murderer. Paul was a murderer. Now, I'm not saying go out and murder someone in order so you, God can use you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that just because we all have past, we all have skeletons in the closet, if you will, that doesn't mean that God can't use you. And God wants to use you in spite of who you are and what you've done. The Bible says this, where sin abounded, and this is great, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Think about that. That ought to be something you, you memorize. Why? Because we all, have, we all have sinned. We've all failed. But God's grace did much more abound. When the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. But then, forget the past, but also fight for the prize. Look there in verse 14. It says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Don't ever let, lose sight of the finish line. You know who's at the finish line? My Lord and Savior is at the finish line with his arms wide open. And I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Don't forget. Don't lose sight of the finish line. Be faithful in your race. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, I fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day, and not to me only, but all them that love his appearing. So we forget the past. We fight for the prize, but then focus on the person. Look there in verse 14. It says, in Christ Jesus. We're not running this race for ourselves, for the applause of men or the applause of uh, the approval of the church. We're running this race for Him. Ephesians 6 says this, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. John 12 says this in 26, says, If any man serve me, him will my Father honor. Too often when God blesses our life or work, we focus on ourselves instead of God. The Bible says, if any man speak, let him speak of the, as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things might be glorified through Christ Jesus, to whom be praised and dominion forever and ever. Then the last thing I want us to do as we look at this journey is looking for Christ. Before he went away, Jesus promised that he would return. John 14 says, says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. 
Lo, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Paul told Titus to be watching for the Lord in his return. He says, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The coming of Christ ought to encourage us in this life, in this journey. And cause us to be faithful till we hear that trumpet sound. There's some things that we need to remember. Remember that this location, it's temporary. The Bible says, for our conversation is in heaven. Our conversation is in heaven. The little choir, or the little chorus says this. This world's not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. The Old Testament prophesied of Christ coming the first time. And the New Testament predicts His coming again. Is that thought of Christ's return a comfort to you? I'm afraid when Jesus comes back, He will find many of His children doing the things that He told them not to do. And not doing the things that He told them to do. I remember times when I was a kid, my mom and dad would tell me, they'd say, okay, I want you to, whenever you do this, I want you to go straight home. I want you to go to bed or whatever the things we're doing. And mom and dad were out, and I thought, okay, I'm safe. I can watch TV a few more hours and stuff like that. Mom and dad's gone. They're not expected to be home for, you know, two or three hours. I'm, I'm good with this. So I'd turn on the TV, crank back the the recliner chair and just relax a little bit. And one time, I remember my mom and dad come home because they, dad forgot his wallet or something. Caught me, I was supposed to have been in bed, caught me right red-handed. Man, that wasn't good. Why? Because I wasn't doing what my parents told me to do. You know what I'm afraid? When Christ comes back, we may be guilty of not doing what God has told us to do or doing the things that God has told us not to do. We need to remember the lo- this location is temporary, but also remember the longing is temporary. Now look there in verse 20, it says, From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm looking, I'm longing for this his, his return. I'm looking forward to it. Each day of the Christian life causes us to love Him and want to obey Him, but we long for the day when we will ever see Him. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Do you long for, to meet the Lord? After Jesus gave his final words, two men in white apparel gave these comforting words. He said this, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing up into the heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go to into heaven. Isn't that comforting that God's going to come back, the Lord's going to come back just as he said? Remember, this location is temporary, this, the longing is temporary, but also this life that we now live is temporary. Look there in verse 21. It says, Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. What a great encouragement to know that this body one day is going to be perfect. I think of when I go to hospitals all the time. and Usually when you go to the hospital, there's not many healthy people that's in the hospital. Cancer, people that are in wheelchairs, and just, I mean, all kinds of tragic things that have happened in their lives. I hate going to Riley and seeing those kids I hate going there and seeing those kids the way they are. I mean, kids having cancer and just, I mean, just the different things that have happened to them. And I just think one day 
those that are saved, they won't ever have to go through that anymore. They'll have a perfect body. No more glasses. No more hearing aids. No more sore feet. I'm looking forward to that day. Tonight my back's hurting me. I'm not going to have a sore back in heaven. I'm longing. I'm looking forward to the Lord's coming. What encouragement it is to know that one day we're going to leave this old sinful flesh behind and we're going to be changed forever to be like Christ. Isn't that good? The object of, uh, of our journey is to learn about Christ, then to lean on Christ, and then to look for Christ. And in this process of our journey, we will become more and more like Christ. That's what God has left us here for. Become more and more like His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We need to ask God to help us to become a little closer to His image every day. God, help me to become more and more like Jesus Christ. And the way I talk, the way I walk, the way I live, God, help me to become more and more like my Savior. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I, that's my desire. I want to live more like Him. I want to become more like Him. Pray for me. I need, I need your prayers. I want to encourage you just to find a place at the altar and do business with God. Ask Him. Ask Him to help you to become more like Jesus Christ. Every day to become more like Him. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I do thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I ask that you would just speak to our hearts as only you can. Lord, that you would have your way during this invitation time, this time of prayer. Lord, that we would be focused on you. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Brother Adam's going to begin playing softly. God has spoke to your heart. I'm just encourage you to find a place at the altar. ask you to continue to pray for our church. Uh, we've seen a lot of visitors this weekend. Pray that the Lord continues to bless and bring in visitors and, uh, and uh, just continue to work on our hearts. would ask that you would uh, remember those that are unable to be here tonight. I don't see Brother Greg and Miss Suzanne, so I don't know if they're on vacation or if they're not feeling well, so you pray for them. And some others, you look around, you notice folks that aren't here, you remember them in your prayers and encourage them. All right, anything from the floor? Anybody have any prayer requests? Haley? Okay, Haley's mom and dad is in Vegas on a doing a convention, and so she's staying with us this week, and she, Mom and Dad's coming home Friday, so you pray for them as they travel. This is Luke and Rachel Harper. Remember them in your prayers. Okay, anyone else? All right, let's have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity again to that we can lift our petitions knowing that you hear our, our prayer requests, Lord, that, uh, Lord, if we... Uh, Confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And also that if uh, you said that uh, you would not hear us if we regard iniquity in our hearts. So I ask, Lord, that Lord, that my heart would be clean before you. Lord, that you would hear these prayer requests according, and answer them according to your will. Lord, I do thank of Brother Luke and Miss Rachel as they're going to be traveling. And for Haley and for Claire as they're away from their parents. Lord, I pray that you would comfort them. Lord, I do ask that you would continue to be with our church and help us to grow 
in spirit, number one, but also in number. Thank you for the visitors that came this last weekend. Lord, I pray that you would bring us more visitors and more folks to our church. Lord, I do thank you for all that you do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, um, I'm going to give you just a couple announcements, and then uh, if you have your offering, you can just drop it in the plate as you walk out. But remember, this coming Saturday is our prayer breakfast. This coming Saturday, prayer breakfast. Afterwards, uh, ladies, we're having a uh, baby shower for baby Amos, and they are registered at Walmart. And then also, men, we're going to do some just some picking up around the church, uh, give you something to do uh, as, as the ladies are... Uh, doing their baby shower thing, and uh, but it, we're gonna. I got. I want to move this uh, barn back here, uh, and move some things around, and do some, just some few things I've got planned to do. So if you could be here to help us with that, <clears throat> and then I want you to mark your calendars for March the 30th at seven o'clock here at our church. We're gonna have a Good Friday service. This is the first one that I know of that we've had as I as I've been pastor. But we're going to do it a little bit different. It's going to be a combined service with uh, Faith Baptist of Cunant and then also um, um, Grace Baptist over there off of 75, Brother Burt Bunner's church. And so they're going to, Brother Burt's church is going to supply the music. And so uh, God-honoring music. And that's why the three churches kind of gathered together. And then uh, Brother Wes is going to give the message. And our job this year is to provide the facilities uh, also work, uh, have, a, have a nursery, and then also have a junior church. So if you would uh, be interested in helping out with uh, either of those things, also we'll probably do a security uh, thing that day as well. And so if you're interested in helping in any way, I wanna, uh, want, want you to get with me, and uh, we can get that worked out. All right, and then also our couples retreat is Friday and Saturday, April 27th and 28th. Please sign up for that so we can uh, know how many rooms to reserve. And this year it's going to be in Brown County, and uh, it's going to be a great time. So you don't want to miss it if you're able to come. Uh, the cost is $150, but if that is, a, that is an obstacle, uh, we don't want you to have to uh, worry about that. If, if that's something that's hindering you from coming, please let us know. And uh, we'll, we got folks in the church that would be happy to, uh, uh, to take care of that for you and uh, to provide a way that you can go. All right. I think that's all the announcements I have. And uh, we'll all stand. We'll close in a word of prayer. Brother Tim, sir, would you close us in a word?